Hi, and welcome back to the WHVP podcast. In this episode of the podcast, managing partner Jamie Freihafter-Rose sits down to interview Patrick Hosa, a U.S. tax specialist, to discuss tax implications and consequences for Americans investing outside of the U.S. They will also talk about tax implications for non-U.S. residents investing in the U.S., and things that they need to be aware of. Now, let's get into it. Hello, Patrick, and welcome to the show. Hi, Jamie, thank you for having me. I'm so excited because I know your area of expertise is a topic that I would say probably all of our listeners are very interested in because you are an expert when it comes to US taxes in like an international setting. But before we head into that, how about you start by just introducing yourself, um, tell us a little bit about who you are, your background, and also what made you interested in that specific line of work? Uh, sure, thanks. Um, well, uh, I'm Patrick Hosa. I've lived in uh, Switzerland for about 14 years now with my family. I originally came to Switzerland with Ernst & Young and have moved back to a boutique tax setting where I actually started in this business back in California about 30 years ago. Um, I've lived many places around the world. I grew up as an expat child in Tokyo, living there twice. Um, lived in Paris, Moscow, um, and as I said, 14 years now in Switzerland. What got me into the business? Um, well, you know, coming out of college, I didn't have a specific uh, idea in mind in what I was going to do. And we had a family friend who had started a small tax business in California, and we knew him from uh, the first time we lived in Tokyo. And he had set up uh, an operation in Tokyo, and I was interested to possibly go back and work and travel uh, to Japan and see it again. And he offered me a job, and so that's where I started. Um, well, fantastic. And here I am, 30 years <laughs> later in Switzerland. Well, I, I already said that I'm very impressed with your background because we see there your uh, employer's name, U.S. Tax. Maybe you can also tell us a bit more about um, who they are and what they precisely do. Because from my understanding, I think they are probably one of the biggest uh, U.S. tax specialists in Switzerland. Am I correct in that assumption? Sure, yes. Um, we are one of the, the bigger U.S. tax firms here outside of the big four. Uh, Darling Hart started the business about 30 years ago, I believe, in the U.K., uh, when the Swiss banks had their problems back in the mid-2000s, she saw an opportunity uh, and moved to Switzerland and started the operation here. And we now have an office in Zurich uh, and in Geneva. Um, we are growing and, uh, you know, we're opening hopefully some uh, new markets. Uh, I think we uh, are looking towards Asia next, perhaps, um, but we'll see how that goes. Um and yeah, it's it's been a, a nice change to come back to the boutique setting. Like I mentioned earlier, it's where I started my career, uh, and I enjoy being able to you know see people on a one-on-one -on -one basis that you generally didn't get uh, to do in the big four firms. Yeah, well, it makes sense. Um, so sorry, just sorry to interrupt. Um, you know, on top of the, the individual tax side, you were asking what U.S. Tax and Finance Services does. Um, you know, we also do corporate tax, uh, partnership work, fund uh, work. Uh, we have a corporate group that's run out of our UK office uh, with a couple of our employees uh, here in Switzerland, also joining that group in the last two years. So we have a, a diverse um, portfolio of clients. 
Do you personally also do something on the corporate side or is it mostly private clients for you? No, mostly private clients. Obviously, as a U.S. tax professional, you need to sort of have a broad range of knowledge so that you are able to point people in the right direction. And again, we're fortunate enough to have a corporate group, so I can rely on their expertise now. Yeah, that's always helpful. Um, it is. So before before we get started, um, I think that the most commonly heard or heard or known abbreviation is probably FASCA when it comes to U.S. taxes in, in terms of like having an international asset or an international bank account involved. Maybe we can get started there. What does the abbreviation stand for and what does it actually mean for Americans? Well, you're, you're putting me on the spot there, Jamie. Um, I mean, FASCA, I know what it is. I'm terrible with remembering acronyms. Um, well, maybe I can help you out. I, I think sure. it, it means <laughs> Foreign Account Tax Compliance Act. Thank you. <laughs> I have too many client names and client numbers in my head to, to retain all of the acronyms. Um, but a good point to bring up. Um, I, I do see quite a few clients who either haven't been compliant for whatever reason or have done returns themselves and aren't experts in the field. Uh, and they come along and say, well, you know, I, I get this statement from Credit Suisse that says it's my FACA form and that they filed for me. And they don't think that they have any further U.S. tax obligations, but that's really not true. The bank, while they might have their own requirements to report U.S. persons' accounts, individuals also have a potential requirement to file what's uh, normally known as the FBAR form, but officially it's Form 114 in the U.S., uh, and, and that's where the clients need to report their non-U.S. financial accounts to what's called the FinCEN, uh, the government agency that oversees these forms. Yeah. Um, they carry a potential huge penalty, so it's very important to make sure that they get filed. Um, and, and again, it gets confusing because you get forms from the bank saying that they've done some sort of fact of filing, but it's completely separate from what they need to do. Okay. And what else does an American need to consider if they're either moving offshore or just moving part of their wealth offshore? Like what, what are some of the main things that they need to keep in mind in terms of like in a tax perspective? Yeah, I guess one of the main things to be aware of is um, something called PFIX, which is passive foreign investment companies. Um, you know, while Swiss advisors are, are more aware of these issues, uh, today, in the past, they weren't. Uh, but basically, it's when a U.S. person owns um, a mutual trust type of investment that's considered foreign. There can be U.S. tax implications, additional reporting requirements. So if, if you don't get the right you know, financial advisor or, or professional overseas to help you, they might be putting you in, into things that really aren't the best option for you, or if you're not aware, there's potential elections you can make to avoid some of the uh, bad treatments that you know can happen on the U.S. side, but those have to be done on timely filed return, uh, and you need to know that you can make those elections. Um, you know, obviously there's all sorts of other issues we could get into. I mean, if a person's living in the U.S., then you know they're going to be concerned perhaps about exchange rates and. You know, are, are they going to be retiring in the U.S. and is that something to be concerned about? Um, you know, the uh, place that you're investing in overseas uh, hopefully provides you with a, a tax form that's relevant for you from a U.S. perspective. Uh, normally in the U.S. you'll get a 1099 that will report your interest, dividends, stock sales, 
Obviously, uh, if you were investing through a Credit Suisse or, or a UBS, they're not necessarily going to give you that form. Uh, and if they do, it's going to cost you a different uh, additional money. Uh, you might have to invest a certain amount to get to a, a group that would actually provide those kind of forms. So when you don't get those forms, it, that becomes more of a compliance issue, having to you know, convert things into U.S. dollars and uh, keeping track of, you know, records of when you purchase things, when you sold them, if you're reinvesting dividends, it can become very complicated if you're not getting the forms from the bank itself. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe if I can add something about the, the whole PC topic that you mentioned, I think that's a very important point for people who are listening to us on a regular basis. We always say that um, if you're an American, you have to be very careful in selecting your partners abroad because you need someone that actually understands the, the U.S. aspect and the US side of things. And while it's possible um, to manage a handful of American clients, even though you're not SEC licensed, the problem then usually is that those like tiny technical details are being overlooked, which then can lead to significant negative consequences. So it's definitely worth it um, spending a little bit more time on, on due diligence and thinking also about the expertise that people have that, that want to be working with Americans. Um, so now you've already mentioned a couple of forms that people need to file in the US. What do you think, what are the main differences of like filing um, US taxes if you have all your, like if you live in the US and have all your accounts there versus you living abroad or maybe having part of your money abroad or a combination of those two? Sure. Um, well, like we talked about earlier, you have the FBAR form, which is a separate filing from the tax return uh, about, I want to say seven years ago now, uh, eight years ago, uh, the U.S. instituted or the IRS instituted a new form uh, to be filed with your 1040 called an 8938. It, it's basically a replication of the FBAR information with some additional requirements, uh, but it's part of the tax return. It has separate penalties that can be involved. Um, and that form for people living in the U.S., uh, I, I think, starts at around $50,000. If you have foreign accounts that are in excess of that amount, then you have to file the form. If you're living abroad, then that goes up to, I think, $200,000 to $400,000, depending on if you're single or considered married. Um, you know, we talked about the PFIC forms already. Um, you know, U.S. Uh, citizens who own foreign corporations or foreign entities might have additional filing requirements as well. So, you know, outside of what we're talking about here, investors uh, who are buying, you know, uh, large companies. Uh, if you are a 10% uh, more uh, owner uh, of a foreign company, then you might have a, a 5471 requirement. So something to, to consider and think about as well. Um, what else? Uh, Non-residents, I don't know how many clients you have that are non-Americans, but something to consider for those people. If they own U.S. what's called Citus assets, which would be, you know, if they owned a, a share of Apple uh, in their non-U.S. accounts, that's considered a U.S. Citus asset. When they pass away, God forbid, um, potentially they face a non-resident U.S. estate tax on their U.S. Citus asset. So they need to be aware if they are investing in, in U.S. companies uh, or they have real estate in the U.S. or other U.S. Citus assets then their estate might have some U.S. tax to pay after they, you know, pass away. Yeah, that's, I think that's a topic that a lot of Swiss people are not aware of. 
um, when I talk yeah. to them. I think that's something that's really not very commonly known, but it's an extremely important point to be aware of if, if you have um, a little bit of an investment portfolio that's invested in the U.S., which can happen very quickly. Yeah, and another reason is that, you know, the IRS will pick certain topics and focus on those. And in the last year, year and a half, I believe, they came out and said that they were going to be going after certain foreign-related uh, elements of U.S. taxpayers. And these things are generally kind of easy to find. Um, so, you know, with computer systems these days, uh, it's easy to do searches. So, as an example, if you decide to give up U.S. citizenship, you're supposed to file what's called an 8854 form to show the IRS that you've given it up and that you're considered a covered expat or a non-covered expat. Um, you know, when you do give up citizenship, if you're living abroad, you do it through an embassy. So the embassy collects that information, provides it to the IRS. The IRS can run a background, you know, report to see two years from now, did those people who gave up citizenship, did they file 8854s? Uh, if not, then, you know, a lot of potential penalties can, can happen there. If you weren't compliant, if you didn't do the 8854 itself, there's a $10,000 penalty. You can be considered a covered expatriate if you don't follow the process correctly. Um, so it's important, you know, dealing with foreign-related issues, foreign investments, um, for U.S. taxpayers to make sure that they have a tax professional that understands the issues. You know, while you don't have to necessarily have a person living in Switzerland, if you uh, are dealing with Swiss issues, it is certainly helpful. Um, you know, I've run across enough returns prepared by people in the U.S. who don't have any connections with Switzerland, who don't know the issues, that make quite a few mistakes. Uh, there's also, you know, advisory services that can be provided when, you know, you have a, a non-resident spouse and uh, certain types of investments that might be good or bad for you, depending on your situation, that you're not going to know if you don't live here and don't know, you know, the ins and outs of the Swiss system. I think that's a very important point that you're bringing up here. Like, again, the, the due diligence on the U.S. person that, oh, sorry, the person you appoint for, for your tax filing, um, whether that person should be in the U.S. or in Switzerland, um, irrespective irrespective of the jurisdiction, do you have a couple of like questions that people could ask to judge whether or not someone understands the international side of, of Texas? Um, well, I, I guess rather than asking, look at your tax return and see if, you know, <laughs> did you do an 89.38? Were you over the limit for a person living in the U.S.? Again, around $50,000, I believe. Um, you know, have you been filing FBAR forms? Do you have uh, you know, mutual fund type of investments in your, you know, foreign investment accounts. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you would necessarily go and ask your, your taxpayer questions. Um, what I personally would recommend is getting a second set of eyes, you know, spend uh, some money on an hour of advisory services, services with somebody maybe from Switzerland or a second, you know, tax provider um, just to get a, a second opinion. Just like a doctor, I mean, if you, you know, are told you need a, a surgery, generally you're going to go out and get a second opinion. So if you're talking about, you know, wealthy individuals with, uh, you know, potential for uh, mistakes and, and tax implications, it's worth it to spend a little money to, to get that second set of eyes. Yeah, makes sense. And how can people get in touch? So if they want to learn more about um, you, what you do, um, if they want to reach out to you, how can they best get in touch? 
Well, behind me, you can see U.S. Tax. <laughs> That's the name of the company in financial services. Uh, you can Google us. Um, I think we have a, a website. All of the uh, individuals who work here are listed. I'm on there as well. I'm the director of tax here in Switzerland. Uh, my email address is uh, available through the website. Um, so Google's your friend. <laughs> Sounds good. We will also make sure that we link to your website and your profile on there in the description of the show notes. So if you are interested in reaching out to Patrick and learning more about him and what he does, then uh, please feel free to check that out and definitely reach out to him. Thank you so much for coming on, Patrick. It was a pleasure talking to you. And uh, I wish well, you a very happy weekend. Yeah, you as well. Thanks again for joining us on the WHVP podcast. We hope you found it enjoyable and insightful. If you would like to learn more about what we do at WHVP and how we might help you achieve your financial goals, check us out at our website at whvp.ch or find us at any of our social media handles at LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube by simply searching WHVP. Have a great rest of your week.